It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens, le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to the Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast, and we're in the second intermission of the game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Nashville Predators. Of course, in Nashville, the Canadiens on this extended road trip, which comes to an end after tonight's game because they'll be back in a couple of days playing host to the New York Rangers. The Canadiens are down by a score of 5-2. to two. And the Connor Bedard watch is officially on among uh, Habs Nation. I've been talking about it uh, actually for a couple of years, the Connor Bedard watch. And uh, everyone, you know, well, not everyone, but a lot of people were telling me that I'm, you know, I'm a loser and I have a defeatist attitude and I have a loser attitude and this and that and Connor Bedard and who cares and you know what. Uh, and I was even getting on YouTube Live, I was even getting Mike, Mike telling me, Yeah, but he scored seven points, but it was versus a garbage team. Yeah, but he scored six points, but it was versus a garbage team. Let him uh, let him do it versus a good team, Mike was saying. And I was like, Mike, did somebody else score seven points versus this bad team? Did somebody else score six points versus this bad team? So then what happens? Uh, he goes out and he's a star versus Sweden. And then he goes out and he's a star versus Slovakia the way he was last night. Uh, scoring a couple of goals on the night, including uh, the winner in overtime where he went around three guys like they weren't even there. And uh, the Connor Bedard watch is officially on. And I think uh, I know one guy uh, who's on the same page as me that it's worth it to be terrible for the rest of the year to give, your, to give yourselves as good a shot as any to, to try and win the lottery and draft them. Oh, by the way, another one of those things that I'm getting is that, uh, you know, the, the, there's no way that Batman's going to make Connor Bedard go to Montreal. Why? Uh, why not? I mean, I, I, I don't I don't get it. Did, did he not make um, did he not make Connor McDavid go to uh, Edmonton or like what, what, what's the point here? I, I don't get it. Is Edmonton a much better hockey market than Montreal? Oh, Montreal can't win the draft lottery two years in a row. Why? Edmonton didn't win it three years in a row. It's not possible. So what? Because you don't like your chances of winning it, they're better off what? Winning games and finishing 21st or 22nd in the league? By the way, as it stands right now at this very minute, the Montreal Canadiens are 27th out of 32 teams in the National Hockey League. Two points on, up on the Arizona Coyotes who are in 28th, and Arizona has a game in hand. And as I told you, before the Canadians went on this road trip, 
that when all would be said and done, as a matter of fact, even including the game when they come back versus the Rangers, that when that game was going to be over, the Canadians were going to be in 27th, maybe 28th spot. And so I'm not always right, but when I am, I'm definitely going to tell you. And this time, I was right. It is the Sick Podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group. If you ship commercial freight and want to impress your boss with how much money you can save, get in touch with the logistics professionals at Energy Transportation Group. Email them at sick at shipenergy.com or visit their website at shipenergy.com. Also brought to you by 8.6 Beer Intense by Nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And... um uh, if you don't want Connor Bedard, uh, you know, maybe you've been drinking too many of these. Uh, Lakash, if the last time you went to Lakash was when the Habs had a player like Connor Bedard, it's time you go back to Lakash because the menu is going to surprise you. All right, joining me right now, he's been on before from BPM Spar 91.9 on your FM dial out of Montreal. Max Van Ut, bonsoir, mon ami. Tony, I'm doing great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. And you got yourself a heavy-duty microphone there. Wow, look at that mic that you got. It's amazing. Thank you. It's uh, uh, it's brought yeah. to you by BPM Sports. So there, there are the perks of working at a professional radio oh, station. Okay. Oh, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> All right. So the Canadians are down by a score of 5-2. to two. And, uh, you know, we will talk about this game, but I know we're going to Connor Bedard in just a minute oh, here. Will. But... In period number one, it's Joel Edmondson with a penalty. Ekholm's wrist shot is deflected by Cody Glass. And Nashville goes up by a score of one to nothing. Barron gets caught at two-on-one. Forsberg passed to Sissons. Edmondson tries to slide to cut it off. He cannot get to it. It's two-nothing for Nashville. And then Brendan Gallagher goes to the penalty box for high-sticking. Ekholm on, uh, from the point with a big shot deflected by Glass, in who was in behind uh, Justin Barron, he makes it 3 nothing. Cole Caulfield intercepts a puck, beats Forsberg in a foot race, goes to his backhand and makes it 3-1. So that was three straight goals for Cole Caulfield because, of course, he scored both versus the Washington Capitals the game before this one. And in period number two, Drouin to Anderson from the left wing. His wrist shot went right through UC Saros to narrow the lead to 3-2. But Nashville was able to bounce back with two goals. Trent in the pass to Novak. It was a bang-bang play. He makes it 4-2. And Niederreiter to Novak to Roman Yossi before the period was over. Nashville's up by a score of 5-2. to two. Max, your thoughts after two periods of play? A perfect game of Montreal Canadian hockey for tonight, uh, Tony. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Well, we got a Caulfield goal. We had an yeah. injury scare. I did not like that. Although I do, I'm part of a... How do you call it? Embracing the tank? Is that yeah, how you, how you call of, it? Okay, so welcome. Uh, welcome on the bandwagon, my friend. There's plenty of, of room and we accept everyone. Of course, I'm proud to be pr part of the uh, of the tank wagon. No, uh, although Max, I, I, Max, all kidding aside, all kidding aside. Yeah. After everything we've seen from Connor Bedard, okay, breaking the goal scoring record for a Team Canada player at the World Juniors, breaking the points record for a Team Canada player at the World Juniors, still being eligible to play two more World Junior tournaments, and he's already broken those records, okay. He's the best player on the team. It's not even close. He's the best player of the 2005 draft class right now. And it's funny because there was an article before the World Juniors that Adam Fantilli was narrowing the gap. I'm sorry. There's nobody narrowing the gap. Oh, yeah. If anything, Connor Bedard is running away right now. It doesn't mean that Connor Bedard will end up having the best career. But right now, it's not even a discussion. It's not even close. So seeing Connor Bedard play the way he's playing, and Max, you correct me if I'm wrong, He's the best 17-year-old we've seen since either Gretzky or Lemieux. It doesn't mean he's going to have a better career than McDavid. It doesn't mean he's going to have a better career than Crosby. But correct me if I'm wrong, is he not the best 17-year-old player you've ever seen in your lifetime? At that tournament, he is. Um, he definitely is. Also, I didn't know until yesterday he's the youngest player at the tournament. That's just... Bat damn crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a very special place in my heart for Sid because I was living in Drummondville back then. So yeah. I saw him play, I think, twice at Saint Marcel Dion. 
uh, against the Voltigeur. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, whatever, 2005, I was, uh, I don't know, 13 years old, I think, it's, it's 14 years old. Max, I watched one of those games in Drummondville. I did a road trip down there at yeah. one point. I think it was in Sid's rookie year where he was 16 years old. I think Drummondville won by a score of eight to three, and I think Guillaume Latendres picked up like four points and was the best player in the game. He, uh, it's it's funny, but you're uh, you have a uh, you have, we were at the same game. Oh, really? uh, yeah. I, I worked with Guillaume a few years back. He was uh, working at BPM. Yeah. And I had that conversation with him, and I don't remember the exact score. I I think I have six five in my head, but uh, I remember that Sid had a few points. Guillaume had a, a few points too. So it was the perfect game. But Tijar won by a high score. Sid got the point. It was crazy. Uh, the, the place was jam-packed like I have never seen. I think they oversold. But uh, that, anyways, uh, all this to say that on a large scale, I still have a pension for Sid. But at that tournament right now, what he is doing is absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, just before the holidays, and I was trying, uh, while I was preparing today for, to come on with you, I was trying to remember which podcast i was listening to uh before christmas uh, about uh, about uh, prospects and all and uh, this guy was saying he's not generational he's still franchise borderline generational and i'm uh, i'm he's generational i don't see how this guy is not generational generational with a capital g capital e yeah. capital n capital e capital r capital a capital t capital i capital o capital n capital a <laughs> capital l what impresses me the most is his shot, though. What impresses me the most is that I got it right without any spelling mistakes. Do not play <laughs> me in a game of Scrabble, my friend. Uh, I will take you in French, if you don't mind, Tony. Yeah. I will not take you in English, that is for sure. But, uh, you know, it, it, we tend to think of uh, centers as, you know, playmaker above all. But those guys, generational center, sit yeah. as a Rocket Richard Trophy. McDavid's going to win one this year. He's going to score 60. And I'm not even talking about Lemieux and Gretzky, of yeah. course. He has that. It, that shot is absolutely nasty. Uh, it's heavy. But, even but though Max, he's not the Max, biggest guy, I'll, it's crazy. I'll say this. I'll say this. You ready? I will. I don't think Connor Bedard's a better center than he is a winger. I think he's a better winger. The reason why That's I say that is because he's not great in the face-off circle. I don't think he's a great 200-point player. And if you watch the way he plays, and hmm. by the way, there's nothing wrong with what I'm going to say, okay? A lot of his scoring chances actually come because his ability to cheat and get behind the defense and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Ovechkin kind of cheats too so that he can, and he's ended up scoring like 800 and a gazillion goals. So I, I think when all is said and done, he's going to end up being a winger at the National Hockey League level. This is what I believe. I could be wrong, okay? I haven't seen him that much. It's just, you know, my scouting observation after a couple of times. But you know what? Even if he is, okay, even if he is, you know, is there is there any doubt that the Canadians have to, and everyone knows that the players are not going to intentionally lose hockey games, right? However, the coach can do certain things. He can break up duos. He can break up a line. He can end up giving more ice time to less productive players. He can end up using, you know, you know the uh, some of the players that are not overly productive a little bit more. Uh, you know, the, a, a coach can do certain things if a general manager asks him to do. Not to mention that when a team goes um, spiraling down because they lose games, their confidence goes goes down, and they look at themselves and the standings, and they say, you know what, we have no chance, and then all of a sudden they're not giving the same 100% anymore. But is there is there still anyone out there that doesn't think at this point a Montreal Canadiens loss is actually a win? Is there anyone out there that doesn't think? And if I hear one more time that Edmonton's never won a cup and look at Arizona and look at Buffalo, if I hear that one more time, hey, I'm going to tell you something. Edmonton and Toronto haven't won a cup yet. No, they have not. It's not a terrible thing being a fan of the Edmonton Oilers and watching Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl play hockey. Max, it's not a terrible thing being a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs no, and not. watching Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares play hockey, is it? No, it's not. I, I've been saying for a few years now that I know this is taboo in Montreal, yeah. but if you take off the logo, if you put blank black jerseys, uh, the jerseys of the bad guys in any sports movie, generic as hell. Uh, I enjoy the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
I know people don't like this. I enjoy Austin Matthews. I enjoy Mitch Marner. I freaking love Willie Nylander. So yeah. I, yeah. I am with you 100% on this. I mean, of course, it's fun to make fun of them yeah. because they're choking every year in the playoff. But other than that, you know, the rest, it, it, they're an amazing team to watch. They're an amazing team to watch. Ma Ma Max, listen to this. Sebastian, Tony, even though you embrace the tank, are you not worried about the compete level shown in the recent losses? It's one thing to lose. But it's how you lose too. No, I'm not worried at all. No, I'm not worried at all. And anyone who's worried about a losing culture in the last 40 games of the year, <coughs> pardon me or whatever it is, and doesn't see the long-term benefits of a Connor Bedard of what he could bring to your organization for at least 10 years has to be stupid. Yeah. I'm sorry. Am I worried about the way they're losing? What do you mean about the way they're losing? They have five young players on defense. It's only normal. They're not going to win that many games. They have Jake Allen and Samuel Montembeau. They're good goaltenders, but they're not great goaltenders, so they're going to lose games. They have a coaching staff that's okay. It's not great, so they're going to lose games. By the way, they just gave up another one. It's a beautiful thing. They're down by a score of 6-2. to two. <laughs> And they have a bunch of guys who know that they're going to get traded either on trade deadline day or within a couple of days before that. It's only normal they're going to give up goals. It's only normal they're going to lose games. I don't care. Look, here's the deal. The Montreal Canadiens, how many players do they have that are actually going to be here in the next couple of years? How many do they have at the forward position? Suzuki, Caulfield, Slavkowski, and um, and Doc? Who else? Everyone else is replaceable. You know, are, uh... I think what's happening is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. There are two things with what you just said. Um when you say uh, the people who talk about uh, teams who drafted really high who do not win cups and um, the way of losing is the way you phrased it. Uh, do you remember how many points the Avalanche had in like, I don't know, 2015 or 16? I think it was 48. Yes. McKinnon was there already. I think McCarr is the only one from the core who wasn't there already. They were historically bad. Terrible. One, one of the worst seasons of the last 25 years and they won last year. So that doesn't yeah. scare me at all yeah. if you have strong management. Second thing, it's even less scary when you consider that whoever they draft, if it's Connor Bedar, we will be really, really happy. If it's Adam Fentili, if it's Michkov, if it's, uh, what's his name, Carlson, the Swedish, who is pretty impressive. I like whoever. him, by the way. I like him. I think yeah. out of all the draft-eligible players in 2005, after Bedard, the one that's made the most favorable impression, I believe anyway, from what I've seen at the World Juniors, is Carlson. The, the Habs this year are in a position that is... Um, advantageous is that a word in english yes yes it is excuse my english um, they are in a very advantageous position which is similar to where pittsburgh were when they drafted sid and where the leafs were when they drafted matthews what i mean by this is the pittsburgh penguin missed the playoff one year after they drafted crosby because they already yes. had malkin he was not there yet but he was in the organization he was drafted they had Fleury. they were going to draft jordan stall they already the letendre was drafted the same year they were yes. near the end and they got the generational player the toronto maple leaf already after they drafted him they won the cup yeah this is the best example because it's sid and great management led by mario lemieux of course uh, the toronto maple leafs yes they choke in the playoff but Austin Matthews was the last piece of the puzzle to get out of the, the reset, the rebuild, call it whatever you want. They already had Marner. They already had Willie. They already had Morgan Riley. The abs, I think, might not be in the exact if, same if position, can, but they're I in a can, similar one. If I can, and it's not to say that Toronto's not going to win a cup because I believe that they will win a cup at some point. Okay, that's what I believe. I could be wrong, all right? Toronto made a mistake, in my opinion, all right? They had a plan like... Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon has a plan. And then they saw that John Tavares went to unrestricted yeah. free agency. Yeah. They got overly excited. They deviated from their plan and they went all in with John Tavares. In my opinion, it was a mistake. I they agree. still may be able to win, but they made a mistake throughout the process. It's up to the Canadians to not deviate from the plan and not make a mistake. Having said that, I will say this. If the Canadians finish in the bottom three or four there and they go out and they win that draft lottery and they draft draft connor bedard the rebuild is over you can start putting together the pieces to your team it's I over agree. the rebuild right let, let me ask you a question the habs 
finish bottom four. That's where I want them to finish. Okay, I think it's going to be really, I want them to finish last, but Chicago are so far ahead or behind, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Same thing yeah. with Anaheim. I don't think you're going to finish bottom two, even bottom three. I want them to finish bottom four. So Let's as say, it stands, for the benefit of those watching, Max, if I can, yes. they are 13 points behind last place Chicago. They are nine points behind second last place Anaheim. Yeah. If um, Montreal gets fourth pick overall and somehow the Panthers uh, keep getting worse, get, I don't know, seventh, eighth, ninth pick overall. Who disagrees to a trade? The team that has first overall to get Bedar or Montreal if they offer their two top 10 picks for number one? I don't know this for a fact, but I'd be willing to bet that whoever has the number one pick will not trade it at any Probably cost. Not. Probably not. Would you trade Would you trade the number one pick if he's going to be Connor Bedard? No. I wouldn't. I would not trade him if they, let's say, uh, let's say Montreal get two and three. I don't trade it. I don't get, uh, I don't, no, I don't trade it. Connor Bedard. I don't know. Do you trade it? Connor Bedard has the potential. If he's a Montreal Canadian, he has the potential um, to do what Lafleur did. In terms of, and I'm not talking about winning Stanley Cups because, you know, he's not going to win five Stanley Cups if he comes here, okay? You know, the way Lafleur did in 73, 76, 77, 78, 79, he's not going to do that. But correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Guy Lafleur scored 50-plus six years in a row. I think Connor Bedard can do that. I think Connor Bedard can score 50 goals six years in a row. I... His wrist shot, I don't know if I've ever seen a better wrist shot. I don't know oh. if I've ever seen a better wrist shot. Oh, that's interesting. And yesterday, like he's got he's got a Matthews, Matthews-esque kind of shot, but in my opinion, it's 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 even better. It's unbelievable that it, and Caulfield's another example of a guy who's who's small and has an amazing wrist shot. But, um, you know, what he did last night, Max, I don't have the exact numbers, but I believe when he went out in the overtime, I believe he had a shift of well over a minute. Oh, I think he went back to the bench for like under 40 seconds, and I believe he had another shift of over 50 seconds. Yeah, He had no juice left in his wrist shot. He was running out of gas. But yet he was able to go around three guys like they weren't even there. And he's so good that if you were watching, you just knew that he was going to score. And when a player's on the ice and in a big moment, the most crucial moment, the most pressure environment moment, you know that they're going to score and they score. That's generational talent. That's what it is. That's generational talent. I'm not willing to put him ahead of Austin right now because Austin, I mean, he's Austin Matthews. He's the greatest shot I've ever seen. He's the greatest wrister I yeah. have ever seen. Yeah. But he, he can get there. I believe he can get there. Um, I, I, I'm going to watch in the next game. One thing I've always loved about Austin Matthews is how, um, have you ever looked, if you haven't in the people at, uh, at home, watch Austin Matthews. Most hockey players, if you're a lefty like Austin Matthews, you're mm-hmm. going to take your wrist shot um, and you're going to start with the, uh, the weight on your right foot and you're going to jump into the left foot going forward and take the wrister, right? Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews has perfected the opposite where he goes from the left leg to the right leg. And which, which, what this creates is it gives a better angle to the right of the defenseman uh, if you're looking at a defenseman. And that is something that is, apt to me at least, it's absolutely crazy the way Austin Matthews does this. So there's this versatility to Austin's shot that I'm not sure yet. I'm going to have to see more of Connor Bedard. But uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not totally disagreeing with you on this. For a guy his size, yeah. at this age, it's, to me, this is the biggest surprise. And I don't know if you've seen the videos of him training. You understand why he has that shot. It's absolutely crazy the time he puts into training that shot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it is It is really interesting, and it will really, really be devastating for the goalies in the future. Yeah, Canadians are down by a score of 6-2 to two with 7 minutes and 50 seconds left in regulation. Jason Teal says to say that 
Connor Bedard could score 50 goals six seasons in a row is ridiculous. Okay. So um, why is it ridiculous? Uh, are you trying to tell me that within a couple of years of entering the National Hockey League, let's just say Connor Medard from age 22 to 27 or age 23 to 28, he can't score 50 goals six years in a row? I, look, I'm making a prediction. Chances are I'm not going to be right because the best to ever do it in terms of scoring goals, Alexander Ovechkin, has never had six seasons in a row with 50 goals. However, in his rookie season, he had 52. The next year, he had 46. The next year, he had 65. The next year, he had 56. And the next year, he had 50. Okay? So he almost did it five years in a row. One year, he came up four goals short. Now, four years after that, he scored 51, 53, and 50, then went down to 33, then scored 49, 51, and 48. Last year, Ovechkin scored 50. And this year, Ovechkin's on pace to score 57. Now, yes, I'm talking about the greatest goal scorer of all time. But I'm also talking about a generational player in Alexander Ovechkin, who's a winger. And I'm talking about a generational player in Connor Bedard. Now, Jason says he's not built like Ovi. Well, okay, no, he's not which means he doesn't have to take the punishment that Ovi takes and gives either. Cole Caulfield is not built like Ovi either. If Cole Caulfield has 22 goals thus far, Connor Bedard can't score goals in the National Hockey League. And don't forget, goals are up lately. And it will keep going up because the NHL won the goals to go up. So yes. it will be in a period, I think. I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure it's going to stay this way. More goal will be scored than in uh, Ovi's era. Ovi's prime, at least. Yeah. All right. So listen, Jason says Ovechkin has barely missed a game. Well, Jason, you're right. Look, here's the deal. I'm doing a podcast. I went on. I gave a prediction. You can argue with what I said all you want right now. At the end of the day, you don't know, and I don't know. Let's give it time. This kid is that good. If he does it, fantastic. If he doesn't do it, it's a prediction that went wrong. He's a generational talent, man. Okay, He's let, a let generational me, talent. Let me bounce back on that. Yeah. If Bedar comes to Montreal, can you have a 50-goal duo? When's the last 50-goal duo in the NHL? Same year. Did McDavid and, Dry and Dreisaitl do it? I don't think McDavid's done 50 yet. He's going to do it this year, but he, his best season is 40. I have 45 in mine. Uh, Probably Jagger and Lemure yeah, is, the, is where I yeah, can McDavid go. Yeah, uh, McDavid's high was 44. You're right 44. about that. That's a really good question that you asked. That's a Pretty really good. good question that you asked. I would guess Mario and, yeah, and Yaromir. Uh, that would be for sure. 100%. That would be for sure. But something tells me that there's somebody that has done it since then. Um, something tells me that there's somebody that's done it since then. I, uh, I'm going to say, um, hold on a second. Did Crosby and Malkin ever do it? I don't think they did. Because uh, Malkin did it the year Crosby was injured, if I'm correct. Okay, I got them all. I got every 50 season here. Okay. Uh, so Ovi, of course. Kara, no, no. Oh, we're back. No. Uh-huh. My, no, that's Timu Selanin. Uh, Timu Selanin, Paul Carrier, did they do it? No, it was back-to-back no. -back year. No, no, they didn't do it. Uh, I don't think so, no. No, back-to-back -back year. You're probably right. It probably goes back to uh, Lemieux and Jagger. Yeah, it is. Um, it's in... Wait a minute. What year is it? Brett, that's Brett, Hall, Brett Hall and Brendan Shannon. Oh... Because uh, in 92-93, it's not even Jagger who did it. It's Kevin Stevens and Lemieux. They both did it in 93. No, hold on a second. Uh, Lemieux, Lemieux and Jagger, uh, they did it in 96. Lemieux and Jagger did it in 96. I think oh, you're, you're right. right. I, think, you're I right. think the last ones to do it were Lemieux and Jagger. But let me ask you something. Did, um, did John LeClaire and Eric Lindros ever do it? Ah, uh, wait a minute. Philadelphia Flyers. 
I, I don't even. Claire I don't even know. I don't even know if Lindros ever scored fifty because he was I, always hurt. Yeah, I don't think he did. Yeah. Look, I. Uh, it would be hard to say that both of them would hit fifty because look, we just went through the last uh, thirty years ago in the National Hockey League, <laughs> and it's only been done a couple of times. So it would be hard to say yes. But uh, look, I think everyone. I think everyone's can you know to think, eh? To think, there's some people that thought the Canadians were going to make the playoffs. Come on, like I, you know, like come on, come on, like there's some people thought the Canadians were make. And now Marty Saint Louis being criticized by some saying, "Oh, you know, look, he's he's getting expo- exposed and this and that." What what exposed? What exposed? No, Over I agree. the next I couple of years, he's got he's got four forwards that are going to be here, and he's got five young defensemen. Two of which who probably aren't really ready to play in the National Hockey League, who are playing right now. Like, you know, like just give the guy a break. He makes a few mistakes every now and then. He actually admitted one the other day. He said, "I shouldn't have kept Jake Allen in goal for nine goals against in Washington." And he goes, "You know what? I'm going to learn from that because they played on uh, they played on Saturday, and they're playing again. Uh, they're playing again on Tuesday, and so he had some days off in between then." He could have put in Montembeau, even though, you know, uh, he's got Montembeau in goal. He said, I'm going to learn from it. Very, very humble. I made a mistake. Very humble, you know? Yeah, and don't forget he's a young coach, too. Why is it that we're so patient with young players and not with young coach in a situation like this where you can be patient? Why not be patient with him and let him learn with the players? That, that personally, for me, is why St. Louis still has his... Uh, I don't know, whatever card you want to call it, but uh, not critics-free card because it's still yeah. okay to have critical thinking. But uh, no, I, I, for the duration of his contract, I have no problem. Learn the curves. Uh, it's a learning process for everybody, himself included. I don't know if you got uh, that story from our friend Marc-André Perrault today. Uh, they wanted, uh, they didn't even want to have him. And, uh, Goal by Brendan Gallagher, today. by the way. Goal by Brendan yeah. Gallagher, yeah. They didn't even want to have him on the... Oh my God, my heart is stopped. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, yeah, so they wanted to give him a break today, uh, the journalist, and he said, "No, no, no, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you guys. Uh, I'm not hiding. Come here. Come talk to me." So uh, you know, uh, I respect that. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Listen, um, anyone who's, who's look, anyone who's criticizing Marty Saint Louis right now clearly has overestimated and over-evaluated this team. And Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes are really, really smart, not to say they're perfect, because there is one thing that this year I just don't get and I don't agree with. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I believe the Montreal Canadiens made a big mistake by not sending Uri Slavkowski to play for Slovakia in the World Juniors. Mm -hmm. That was my opinion. It's been my opinion now ever since we've been talking about it for about a month. I, you know, people that said that Slovakia was not that good. It's just, I, I think that's a stupid excuse anyway. And, and number two, uh, you know, in sports, uh, any team could beat any team on any given night. You saw yesterday with a little bit of luck. And yes, Slovakia's goalie stood on his head, but uh, Slovakia could have won that game <clears throat> the way Canada could have won by five, by the way. And who's to say that if Slavkovsky's there, that Slovakia actually doesn't win yesterday. But I would have liked to have seen. Slavkovsky elevate at the World Juniors. Now we'll never know. And instead, you know, we have to get excited about maybe him finishing a check or getting a couple of shots on goal. I think they made a mistake. Having said all that, Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes, they knew in the offseason, they knew in preseason, and they knew even at the start of the regular season that when all was said and done, this team was going to finish in the last six or seven. And what we're seeing right now is exactly that. Anyone yeah. who thought that it was going to be better than that, they got fooled, man. You know, they knew. The Canadians knew. Yeah. Not, I'm not sure. On, I've never been... Uh, not that I don't have an opinion on it, but I, I'm not that cutting on the Slavkovsky to the World Junior thing because... To me, the, and again tonight, I'm watching it, and one of my friends just texted me like, yeah. "He's so soft." I don't. I think these big guys who have always been the bigger guys, yeah, the biggest thing that they have to learn in the NHL is 
how to still dominate while not being the biggest fish in the pond by a large margin anymore. And don't get me wrong. He's a big NHL dude. He's big even for the NHL. But now he goes in the corner and it's Victor Edmund. Now he goes in the corner and even the third pair defenseman who is a big dude is nasty. He has to learn all about this. Aaron Ekblad had the same learning curve. He won the Rookie of the Year his first year. But then after that, it took him a few years because it's the same thing. I remember Aaron Ekblad at the World Junior. Yeah. The guy is like four or five years younger than me. And he, I, I was in my mid-20s when he was in the World Junior and he looked 10 years older than me. He was a mm-hmm. man. Uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime in tennis had something similar in the yeah. juniors. He was the best in the world. Why? He was already 6'3". He was already a man. Uh, so to me, Slavkovsky needs to learn to play with men. So I'm not well, so you're sure right, if he know, needs so, to do it so To your buddy, he's not soft. He's, he's a kid. He's soft. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't filled into his body yet. The body is there. But Slavkovsky in three or four years is going to be a tank. I hope people realize he that. Will. He's going to be a tank. I think he will. It's just, yeah. you, need to learn, you need to learn that. You, you know... And uh, I'm sorry if I said that last time at your podcast, because sometimes I mix what I saw on the radio. And no, no, don't worry show, about but, it. Yeah, what did you say? Um, I think sometimes as hockey fans, we need to switch the narrative. You know how we're like, oh, we're so scared for Cole Caulfield because he's small. And my dad, I have this argument. My dad is convinced that uh, Cole Caulfield is probably dead at age 25 because, oh, my God, he's so small. And, of course, my dad is old school, so pardon him. Yeah. But Cole Caulfield has been and has been told and has been the smallest guy on the ice since he was six years old. He has Correct. always been the smallest guy. So he knows it, whatever level he plays at, he's the smallest guy on the ice. So he knows that he needs to protect himself. Big guys. No, not not ten- only that, Max, he's exercised his brain so that exactly. he actually scans the entire ice. Exactly. He does that better than anyone. So for that, I bet you'll he'll have more longevity than anybody else. I agree with you. Whereas sometimes we see big guys like Slavkovsky coming in and we're salivating and it's normal. The guy is 18 years old and he is 6'4", 220. That's crazy. And we're salivating. We're like, oh, he's going to physically dominate right away. No, he won't. He won't because he has not learned how to be just another big guy on the ice with a bunch, with nine other big guy on the ice. He has always been bigger than everybody. People try to hit him, they bounce on him. People don't bounce on you if they try to hit you in the NHL. Even Francis Bouillon would kill him right now at five foot four because he's a tank at five foot four. He has not played with those type of competition yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, you catch those players with their head down for sure, 100%. It's six three for the Nashville Predators. They're out shooting the Canadians 34 Beautiful. to 26. And there's a minute left in regulation. This uh, road trip is going to be over in just about a minute for the Canadians. And then they'll come back and they'll uh, host the New York Rangers on uh, Thursday night. And you know what usually happens the first game back from a long road trip. Mind you, this road trip was kind of split in half because they had games on the road. And then they came back during the holiday season for four days off. And then they went back to Tampa and then they played Florida the next night. And then a couple of nights later, uh, they uh, they played again. Uh, and, uh, and now they're playing again. But... Um, it was uh, obviously not a great road trip for the Montreal Canadiens, but it is uh, a great road trip. If you want the chances on your side, for me, it's a fantastic road trip. It's amazing. Yeah, really, really. I love amazing. that road trip. I love that road trip. Yeah. Hey, they've given up a lot of goals, eh? They've yeah, given up well, a lot of goals in the last three games. Last time I was with you, Tony, that is one of the things I was saying. Uh, early in the season, both Jake Allen and Sam Montembeau yeah. were in the top 10 for goal save above expected. Top 10, and I love Sam Montembeau. He is not a top 10 goalie in the NHL. So just that was going to go back to normal, which it is right now. And we talked also about strength of schedule, and we're starting to see this right now. You know what? I I can't wait to see the Boston Bruins. But this was was the toughest part of the schedule, though. Don't you agree? From December 17th, starting with hosting Tampa, to January 5th, ending with hosting the Rangers... This, I believe, is the toughest three weeks of their schedule that we're going to see all yeah. season. Their only win in this was the Coyotes in overtime, so that's great. That's and perfect. they picked up a point versus Colorado, did they not? I think so. Uh, they did. Yeah, you're yeah. right. They did. They lost in OT to Colorado. And but, by the uh, way, they, they should have lost in Arizona. Oh, totally. They yeah, should, they totally should have lost. They didn't play well. They no, didn't play they well. Didn't. I agree with you on that. I totally agree with you on that. 
But uh, one guy who does, I am not uh, during the holidays. I did not watch the game with the same uh, uh, focus as I usually do. And so tonight I was curious about Justin Barron, and I did not like what I saw from Justin Barron tonight, to be honest. I expected a bit more with the way he was playing in the AHL. I don't know if it's just the speed of the NHL right now. You saw the second goal. Yeah. Uh, I hope he's not that type of guy who never is able to catch that fraction of a second. Let's yeah. give him time, because I think the guy has a really, really great combination of skill set and size. He's not NHL ready really though, Max. No, Max, no, he's not Max. He's not there. He loses his guys a lot. His guys get behind them. And even when he holds on to his guy or he hangs on to his guy or he's close to his guy, if it becomes a battle, he doesn't win that battle either. He's, he's just not ready yet. Now, can he skate? Yes. But Barron's problem doesn't have an X factor. There's nothing he does very, very good. He does a lot of good things, nothing very good. Okay, but I think that's interesting because do you think Jordan Harris has one thing he does really, really good? Does he have an X Factor? Maybe no, skating? No, he doesn't. But everything he does, he does a little bit better than Baron Kovacevic. Doesn't have an X Factor either. But he's more reliable than Baron. Yeah. Everything he does is a notch better. Don't you agree? I do. But here's the thing, though, why I, uh, I ask you that question is I think what could be good for Baron is, you know, there are uh, and it's OK. It's not a it's not a diss at Justin Baron or anything. Uh, you know, the, the, the dicton, uh, too many chiefs, not enough Indian. Yes. Everybody can be a chief. And yes. the Habs have their Chiefs on defense. Caden Goulet is going to be a Chief. Of course. Jordan Harris, that's why I asked the question. I don't think he does one particularly thing great. One thing that he has that I think is great, though, is that guy, to me, from the outside, yeah. looks like a leader of men. He looks like a guy who is poised. I would say his poise is not a lead, but is something that stands up. Whereas Justin Barron, I think... Uh, is in a situation that Jonathan Drouin should have been in his career in Montreal. Those type of guys who don't need to be the guy. They need to be behind another guy. So that is what gives me confidence is that Montreal already have their... Um, their on defense, I think, they already have the guys that need to be the leaders. They are there, and he just needs to find his way and be one of a good partner for one of these guys. Yeah, by the way, difficult night for Joel Edmondson tonight who played... 17 minutes and the 12 seconds and was a minus three on the night. So tough night for Joel Edmondson. Tough, tough, tough season. For for, tough season. Really? Yeah. Honestly, he, yeah. Um, he's been exposed quite a bit. Eh? Look, I hate to say it because the guy, he's younger than me. I always forget that because he, he's that type of guy who looks like 38 or something. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's 29. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, I think the guy is done as a, As the player we signed the playoffs in 2021, the back injury that he had, to me, I think, is a career killer. I think that uh, in the not so long wow. from now, we'll be out of the league because we will learn that this injury killed his career. Wow. He really is. He has lost a step. That's uh, an interesting he, opinion that you have there because I don't personally, I don't think he's done. But then again, I don't know the status of his back. I just think yeah. wrong kind of player for this kind of coach and what they're trying to do. Maybe. If, if he's not out, it's because he, need, he needs to be on a third pair now. He needs to be protected. He needs to be on a third pair. And he needs a guy who can skate beside him. Yeah. Um, David Savard looked good when he was in Tampa because they put him on a third pair, right? Exactly. If this guy would be on a third pair on a team that can actually go to the playoffs and contend for the cup, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. I, but then again, look, you could be right because once the back flares up, out of all the injuries, man, the back is the toughest because sometimes you can do all the stretching, all the rehab, all the physio, all the osteo, all the chiropractor, all the acupuncture, all the dry needling in the world, and you can't fix your back. Sometimes yeah. that happens. Yeah, it really does. And it if he really can't does. fix his back, then he's, a, he's the only one, by the way, on the blue line who's a minus three tonight, minus one for Justin Barron, and the rest, Weidman was even. Jordan Harris was plus one. David Savard, who was back in the lineup, was plus one, and Arbor Jackye was even. The minutes, Jordan Harris is the one who played 
the second most after David Savard, who played 2303. Harris plays 2034. And then it was Edmondson at 1712. Barron at 1654. Jack Guy at 1650. And Chris Weidman at 1447. Not a great night for Samuel Montembeau, who gives up six goals on the night. On 34 shots, and his save percentage tonight is 8.24. Pas bon, ça. Jean-Maurice on the chat says Savard was awful tonight. Did you think he was awful? I was glad. For the first game back, I didn't think he was awful. Me neither. I I thought he was okay. I'll tell you who I thought was really good was Cole Caulfield, who had six shots on goal in 19 minutes and 17 seconds tonight. I thought Caulfield was really good. And you know what? Pozzetta brings more to the team than Armia. Yeah, that's why I want to see Armia in. I was disappointed with Armia out. And fun fact, I used to be a really big Yoel Armia guy, but the way he's playing this season, keep the guy in. We need him. We need him, Tony. You need him for the tank, right? Exactly. That's what you're getting at. Just keep him in. Just Just keep him in. Hey, this has been a lot of fun. Merci beaucoup. What's going on with you? Coming BPM back on uh, radio tomorrow, yeah. Back at BPM tomorrow, uh, 1.30 to 3.30. The show is called L'Estrade, and it's an interactive show just like yours, Tony. You're the legend. You're the one who brought it in Montreal, and we're trying to do good as an interactive show with the people. So uh, 1.30 to 3.30, if you understand French and you like sports with a lot of humor and pop culture reference, come at 91.9, and we'll have a lot of fun. Hey, thank you, Monchon. Merci beaucoup. The message is out there, and I hope you can watch. Uh, I hope you can listen to Max once again at BPM Spa 91.9 on your FM dial out of Montreal. Weekdays, 1.30 to 3.30. There you have it. Salut, Monchon. Bonne nuit. Thanks, Tony. All right. Thank you, Maxim Vanut. It's now time for you called. But uh, you know what? I think I'm going to get to comments tonight because there are so many comments. But let's call it you called for now. You called. Presented by Playground. Your premier gaming destination located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. And tonight we're going to call this uh, segment maybe you messaged or you text because I'm seeing so many messages and Sammy's telling me we have so many messages. Sammy Cavallaro and Agnello Cavallaro back at Master Control. Bring up the messages. Away parla. Let's go. Uh, this coming in from uh, Lonnie Demas. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Tony, when the Habs lose this bad, does it lessen the trade value of the players they want to trade or do GMs understand that the team is what it is and would be willing to give the Habs what they want for a player? Thanks. I think it's a combination of both. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Next. Uh, Junior, Rav08 says, do you think they will give two first-round picks to trade up for first overall, I think the team that has first overall is not trading the pick. Next. Tony Slavkowski loses the puck every time he touches it. It's unreal for a first overall pick. No, it's not. There's a lot of first overall picks who lost the puck a lot at 18 years old. Joe Thornton played on the fourth line and picked up seven points in 55 games. And believe you me, he lost the puck a lot. But when he filled into his body and filled into that frame and got experience, He was a number one centerman for 15 years in the National Hockey League. I'm not worried. Now, is he a generational player? No. Is he a franchise player? I don't think so either. But he's going to end up being a Rantanen kind of player for the Canadians. And if you're worried, oh, my God, they should have drafted Shane Wright. I'm going to tell you right now, Shane Wright's not impressing me, man. Like, he's, he's really, he's not impressing me. He's playing on the same team as Connor Bedard, and he looks like, uh, I, you, 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 it's, it's unbelievable. It's, I, you can't, I don't even know that Shane Wright's playing in this tournament. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not good. I mean, uh, Shane Wright's not looking good right now. Not at all. Next. I wouldn't worry about Slavkowski. Uh, put this in your head. It's just, it was not a good draft. And in the end, you know what? Maybe then the best picks ended up being, at Nemich and Veracek, and maybe that's uh, Yerichek, and maybe that happens when it's not a great draft for forwards. Sometimes it ends up being its defensemen who are leading the way, and I have to tell you, uh, Nemich and Yerichek look great, but I'm not giving up on Slavkowski. In three or four years, when this kid fills into his body, (laughs) 
attached that Shikmochan. MJV, I think for the first time since the new management took over, they messed up not slamming Slav to the World Juniors. What could they possibly have to lose for a couple of weeks? I agree with you. I think they thought he could learn more here, and I think it was a missed opportunity. I think they dropped the ball. And um, you know what? Pretty reasonable people. I think they probably realized that they probably didn't make a mistake. I'd love to ask them about it one day because I bet you that if they actually think that they did, I bet you they're the type of people who would actually admit that they made a mistake. Just like Marty St. Louis will tell you when he makes mistakes behind the bench, I bet you that Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes would be willing to say that they made a mistake at the management level. I believe they made a mistake. I take a look at what Slavkovsky's done ever since the World Junior started up until now, and I think the Canadians easily could have deprived themselves of three weeks or four weeks of Uri Slavkovsky, and I don't even remember when was the last time he picked up a point. Seven games ago, eight games ago, when was it? I don't know. It seems like it's been a long time. I think in those seven or eight games, I think he's like got three shots and doesn't have a point. I don't know. It could be wrong here, but I stopped counting at one point, but it's not good. All right, next. But I, I'm okay with it, by the way. What do you think the chances are of Pierre-Luc Dubois being a hab next year? Well, it all depends on whether or not they're able to draft a player that's going to end up being a centerman. If they draft uh, Leo Carlson, uh, I don't think they're going after Pierre-Luc Dubois. If they draft Fantilli, I don't think they're going after Pierre-Luc Dubois. If they draft Dvorsky, I don't think they're going after Pierre-Luc Dubois. By the way, Fantilli has, I'm not overly impressed with what I've seen at the World Juniors. eh? Now, one tournament won't break a player, but I'm not overly impressed. Next. Not sure is Fantilli's number two at this point. If Without being a draft expert, I think right now, today, Bedard's number one and Leo Carlson is number two. That's what I think. Next. But I could be wrong. The only thing that is a team built around Bedard, Caulfield, and Suzuki will be uh, too small to win. I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I don't buy this This too small, to this, to that. Back in the day, yes, the Canadians were small and they didn't have enough size. Today, hockey's played a different way. It's played with speed. It's played with pace. Talent takes over. And the second you put your stick on somebody or interfere with somebody who's small, you're going to the penalty box. National Hockey League wants goals to be up now. Can you win in the playoffs by being small? Look, Suzuki, by the way, doesn't play small. Neither does Caulfield. I get it, though. They're small. One's 5'11", one's 5'7". I get it. Just surround these guys with big guys. And you know what? They're going to be surrounded by a Kirby Doc. They're going to be surrounded by a Josh Anderson. They're going to be surrounded by a Uri Slavkowski. I don't think it's going to be a problem. I want to take this opportunity, by the way, to wish Kelly a very happy birthday. Happy birthday, Kelly. And thanks for watching, listening, and all your support uh, over the last little while here. We appreciate it. It's Kelly's birthday. And if you're wondering who Kelly is, if you're following on YouTube Live, there's only one Kelly. There's only one Kelly. Oh, by the way, a shout-out to... Um, hold on a second here. Let me go to it. Wendy. Shout-out to Wendy, who says that her and her husband watch the podcast all the time. Uh, they're from Toronto, and they're going to be coming to Montreal um, next week. And they'd like to know uh, if they could actually uh, meet me for a coffee or for lunch or whatever. And I said, sure, I'd love to meet you and your husband. So uh, to Wendy and her husband, I also say, hello, how you doing? I'll see you next week. Back to the comments. What did you think about Massar? Uh, he set up a really, really nice goal yesterday. He's got playmaking ability as a winger. And I think that one day he's going to be on a line with Slavkowski. If Slavkowski isn't going to be on a line with Suzuki and Caulfield. And uh, anyway, you know what? Massar's got a future in Montreal. I think he's going to be a good player for the Canadians. How many goals? I don't know. But um, you know what? He'll be, um, he'll be a top nine for sure. Next. What do you think of possibility that my Rangers would trade with Montreal for Lafreniere? Uh, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it because I would imagine the price to pay is going to be high. And uh, you know what? He's going to be out of his entry-level contract at the end of this year. He's going to end up probably signing a bridge. 
he'll probably end up going, you know, uh, up $3 million a year. And then after that, the bridge is a couple of years and then he's going to be ready for the long-term deal. The Canadians aren't, I just, I wouldn't do it just yet. Uh, I, I look, it all depends at the end of the day. It all depends on what the price to pay is, right? If the price to pay isn't much, well, then obviously you take a chance on Lafreniere, who's clearly better than what he's demonstrated so far at the National Hockey League. But if they want um, a top pick in the draft, or if they want that top pick in the draft, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, you're going to have to work out another deal if you want that to happen. If uh, they want Josh Anderson and uh, and another pick for uh, Alex Lafreniere, no problem. Done. Uh, they want the Canadians' first pick in the draft. Not happening. Next. Do you think management should also be looking for a future goalie? Of course they should. This coming in from Maiolo, Montreal. That's my buddy Giovanni Maiolo, who makes eggplant fritters, who are, it's it's basically eggplant, fried, rolled up into a meatball, and with a very, very hot, melted gorgonzola cheese on top. And every time I go to his restaurant, I eat that eggplant fritter like I'm going to the electric chair like 10 minutes later. And uh, last time he was on, because he gave us a call, I think he offered to send me some. Giovanni, don't go out of your way. But the more you send, the better it is. I'm a big fan. Give him a five-star rating, by the way, the way you would give the Sick Podcast a five-star rating. By the way, do you know that I got a three-star rating? My last rating on Google, Apple, or Spotify, I got a three-star rating. You want to know why? Because someone said that he loves the podcast, but he's sick and tired of me talking about my looks. At the beginning, he thought it was funny, but now I brought it up so many times that it's not funny anymore. So because of that, so he loves the podcast, but because I make jokes about my looks that I'm good looking, he actually gave me a three-star review instead of a five-star review. You know what? I realize I can't please everyone. Really, I do. But if your only knock on the podcast is that I talk about my looks and I talk about my hair or my my my, my bluish green eyes and you're willing to knock off two stars because of that, like that's cheap. Like that's not cool. Like what I would think is this is fair. You put a five-star review and you say, I love the podcast. I really don't care for Tony talking about his looks. But at the end of the day, the content is what I want it to be. The interviews are what I want. The passion is there. The energy is there. The chat is there. The fan engagement is there. So, but Tony, if you can, talk less about your looks. And then we're cool. But to write that you love my podcast, but you don't think it's funny anymore that I talk about my looks and you give me three stars. Very unfortunate. You know that three-star rating really affects like a lot of things down the line. I was very disappointed, by the way. It actually broke my heart and ruined my day. As a matter of fact, I think it already ruined my 2023 and 2023 just started. Now, obviously, when I talk about my looks, like I'm playing around. You know what I mean? Like, just, my God. He took away two stars, man. Took away two stars. So, you know, if uh, this hits home now, if, if, if you're listening to this and you're saying, Holy geez, I mean, that's not cool. The guy took away two stars. Go to Google Podcast or Apple Podcast or Spotify Podcast. And when it asks you for a review, leave a five star and mention what you like about the podcast. Thank you. Leaving five stars goes a long way because this three-star review, it's like kind of affected in a very negative way my life. Very disappointed about it. Very upset about it. Next. Would you trade Slavkowski for Lafreniere one for one? No, I wouldn't. Now, you see, unlike several others in the business who wouldn't answer that question because 
in a year or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight years from now, they might end up looking stupid with their answer. Here, we don't run away on the sick podcast with Marinara. We don't run away. We don't run. We don't hide. We face the music. You ask me a question. I give you my opinion. If I look good, I look good. If I look like an idiot in due time, it won't be the first time, and it's not going to be the last, but we're not going to run. You know those shows where no one gives you an opinion? Well, I like this, but I don't like that. I think this could be good, but I think that could be bad. Oh, what do you think of this? Well, I think this is good. I think this is bad. No, but if you had to say one thing, what would it be? No, it's a little bit of this, a little bit. We don't do that here. We don't do that here. That's that's other place. That's other. We don't do that here. Here, we give you an opinion, right or wrong. We give it to you. That's it. That's all. Away parla. I'm marination. Are we taking any more comments or what? What's the story here? We'll take one more or two more. What do you think of uh, signing uh, Jacob Vrana? Uh, he's got talent. He's got talent. Yes. And uh, he's got an ability to score goals, and he's got a good wrist shot. But I think they're going to have several of those players going forward. Now, same time, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens at the draft. And we'll see if the Montreal Canadiens are going to play the free agency game. Usually at free agency, you overspend. That's what you usually do. You overspend. And when you're on a matrix treadmill, usually you're burning calories. Matrixhomefitness.ca. I want to give them a shout out. Bring it home. Discover a club quality workout in the comfort of your own home. Visit matrixhomefitness.ca. My cousin called me today. She did a FaceTime with me. She said she's going to get some gym equipment. I said, Matrix is the way to go. Matrix Home Fitness. I said, bring it home. I did. My kids are really taking it to another level. I wish I could take it to their level, but who knows? Maybe one day, and maybe one day, Connor Bedard will be a hab. My God. For Connor Bedard to be a hab, I don't know. I would do anything. I, I would do anything. What's, what, what, what's it going to take? Connor Bedard to be a hab. My buddy Matt O'Han, who's usually hosts the Sick Podcast on Friday nights, who, by the way, this Friday, he won't be there. I'm filling in. He calls me today. Yeah, Tony, yeah, yeah. I want to let you know Friday is my birthday. Matt, take the night off. Oh, really? I said, Matt, that's why you're calling me, right? You're calling to tell me that it's your birthday. You want to go? Matt, take the night off, man. It's your birthday, right? Now, very unfortunately, when it was my birthday on Wednesday, November 23rd, he didn't, you know, he didn't fill in for me. But you know what? I thought it would be a great birthday present to actually be in your company. If I would have gone out for my birthday and not worked, I have more fun with you, all of you on the chat here on YouTube Live, on Twitter Live, on Facebook Live. I have more fun with you. So I'm going to be in on Friday night, by the way. Hey, by the way, tomorrow night, for the first time ever on the Sick Podcast, we're bringing you a three-person roundtable. That's right. Myself and Marc Andre Perot, who's a regular on Wednesdays. And because we were off on Monday because of the holidays, we came back tonight on Tuesday. That means we skipped over Eric Engels of Sportsnet. And so we're going to get Eric on tomorrow with Marc Andre Perot and myself, a three person roundtable tomorrow. How does that sound? Sound pretty good? I think so. On that, on that note, I say good night. The Montreal Canadiens lost by a score of 6-3. to three. They are currently, let's do this over here. Let's take a look at the standings one more time. As we speak, the Montreal Canadiens are 27th out of 32. Just two points up on Arizona, who have two games in hand. Two points up on San Jose, who have played a game more. And nine points up on Columbus, who have two games in hand. And then nine points up on Anaheim, who have played the same amount of games. And 13 points up on Chicago, who have 
two games in hand. Hey, if Chicago and Columbus would win their two games in hand, all of a sudden it's going to be much tighter. Tomorrow night, the Canadians are off. They don't play. On Thursday night, they host the New York Rangers. And I'll be cheering for the red, white, and blue of the New York Rangers, of course. Tony, would you wear a Leafs jersey for a year to draft Connor Bedard? This coming in from Mike Metzloff. Mike, I'll do more than that. I'll do whatever. If the Canadians can draft, listen to me. I've been doing, I've been talking about the Montreal Canadiens, either on radio, television, or on social media here for the last 20 years. There have been talented players. No one comes in with the reputation or the pedigree of this kid. This kid produces points at a level better than Connor McDavid for a 17-year-old. He is the best 17-year-old player I've seen since Gretzky and Lemieux. Better than McDavid, better than Crosby, better than Ovechkin. It doesn't mean he'll have a better career than them. So before you start taking to social media, Marinero said that uh, Connor Bedard's going to have a better career than Ovechkin, or he's going to have a better career than uh, Crosby, he's going to have a better career than Connor McDavid. I didn't say that. I'm not willing to go that far just yet. What I will tell you is he's the best 17-year-old I've seen since Gretzky or maybe even Lemieux. That's it. That's all. I said that a couple of weeks ago. I stand by it today more than ever. And those who were saying, yeah, but let, let me see him do it versus a good team. Now you can't say anything now. Zita, zita, zita. This kid is sick, like me, and like the podcast. Tell your friends about it, and leave me a five-star review on Google, Apple, or Spotify. The guy took away two stars because I talk about my looks. And by the way, I am good-looking. I'm marination. Have a good night. Ciao, ciao. Habs lose. Feels like a win. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.